I did it anyway. Welcome <laughs> to the Continental Writing Club. Welcome. Um, yeah. This is a podcast about a writing club uh, with three women who write at least 500 words of short fiction every two weeks. And we alternate who gives the prompts. And uh, we all have to create at least 500 words, as I mentioned earlier. But you can go a lot longer. We do, usually. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. And you don't have to complete the stories. So if you're interested in writing along with us, feel free to uh, join the Tangential Continental Club. But, uh... Find us on the interwebs. Yeah, my guess is if you are listening now, though, you probably already know this shit. Yeah, you found us, you know us. Yeah. But if you haven't listened before, you know what would be really helpful? Explaining stuff? Ratings. Names. Oh, oh. yeah. Hey. <laughs> Ratings. Desperation much? Introducing ourselves. Sure. Um, my name is Brenna. I am Reagan. And I'm Amy. Yep. I feel like maybe if we brought that to the beginning of the intro. Should we start it again? No. We'll just do it again. No. <laughs> I'm just saying for future reference. So we like we should have a format? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I, okay. You're right. I took that too far. Forget I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know I like to play this fast and loose. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Sorry. Are we gonna, no, it's okay. I have to get into it. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. I had it, and then it disappeared in my brain. Are we going to? Nope. Guess not. Are we going to let the listeners know we've already tried to do this once? That's probably what I was going to ask. Uh, hey, listeners. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. This is the second time we're recording this, this chapter. Oops. Because the first time... I, Amy, was an idiot and forgot to change the input to our very fancy mic, so it recorded through my computer mic while my computer was sitting on the floor pretty far away from us. <laughs> because we don't like the fancy mic to pick up the sound of the computer working. Anyway, apologies. This is take two. <laughs> I apologize for nothing. <laughs> well, that's good, because it wasn't your fault. Yes. Um, we're very excited yeah Uh, do you oh prompts I should tell you the prompts yeah do you remember them I do okay do I so this week's prompts were mine and they were to revisit a previous prompt a prompt based on a random tarot card poll Mm-hmm. Which we all did a poll that same day. None of us liked our cards. We didn't do that one. Surprise! Uh, or 500 or more words of prose being primarily poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the promise. Yeah. And we all, we all read stuff. Now we're going to read it to you. Yeah. Um, it is like we have a format. <gasps> we cut all the jibber jabber out. Well, okay. here's the thing I, I was trying to remember what admin we had. I think... Oh, because we did have some We had time. some admin last time. And I think based... Like, all of... It was... Was it partially apologies for how long it's been since the last episode? Probably. Because all of our lives fell apart? It was probably just that. That's okay, we can cut There's this anyway. There's a plane in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. What? I know. What? Yeah. Okay, hold on. You don't have to do an olive impersonation. My cat is such an idiot. Permanence anyway. Um, yeah, I think we were we, we apologized about how long it's been because, you know, we all got busy and you graduated mm-hmm. and all the things. And then there was something about the tangential. You thank somebody? Which I, but I thank people every time. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. You think you called out your brother. Oh, yeah, you definitely oh, yeah. did. Yeah. So like, we apologize for the long <laughs> break we had since last episode. We've all been busy. I graduated! Hey! Also, just wanted to say, if you're in the Tangential Continental, because we're going to trim all that middle stuff out, right, and just add this in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for sending us stuff. Still enjoying all the pictures we're getting. 
But also, guess what? I know I know you people can read and write and write and draw. And also, yes, yeah, send us shit. Jeff, send us a story. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. I wonder if my mom's listening yet. Ooh. Cricket? <laughs> Cricket? I, I set up her phone. Oh, that's the other thing. I remember the other admin. Guys, my memory worked. Um, we have some really fun things coming up in the future. And so stay tuned. We're going to have a couple of uh, interview sessions. And um, we're going to meet with some other authors, some people who... People that have published, perhaps? Yeah. yeah. Not um, just us hopefuls, but real-life people out right. in the world who've done a thing. And people who teach writing and people who are similarly interested in creative writing and um and sparking that creativity and sharing and building a community of people to be more creative and do stuff with yeah so, so if you're interested in it, but you're tired of us well stick around because there may be some other voices you might hear it'll be exciting Good and i'll write down questions <laughs> there will be a format <laughs> be still my heart yeah it's gonna be really fun so look forward to that in the summer series which means that's coming up yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're almost at our halfway point, too. We are we almost are. at the halfway. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Halfway through the year, not halfway through this entire project, just so you're aware. Yeah. Halfway through volume one. Oh. Ooh. You kept in format. Yeah. It's going to be a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's we'll be call each episode chapter, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chapter whatever, volume one. Mm-hmm. I, I went the... Legend of Korra, Avatar, Last Airbender route, and I was calling them Book One, Book Two, mm. Book of Water. For those of you who haven't, I don't. Anyway, watch the shows; they're good. Okay, I'll add that to his cues because I've not seen them. Reagan watches cartoons. I watch some, but like Adventure Time. Yeah, yeah. I love. The I go through. I go through call. cycles. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah, that's definitely it. It's just cycles. Same. Sometimes Same. you you can't. You know, can't always be Handmaid's Tale. Uh, mm. Yeah. But hey, great book. Margaret Atwood, thank you. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> we should probably do our readings. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, since it's Reagan's prompts. Oh, yeah. We do We do have a standard format for this, don't we? So, since it was your prompts, we now have to go around a circle where you will be the last to read. Yeah. And I, this time, must be the first to read. Yes, this okay. is you, Ben. I misunderstood this prompt. I just want to start that at the top. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um... The prompt that I chose to do, since Amy likes me to introduce it every time. I also, it's required. (laughs) I think it's evident in the story. (laughs) Anyway, but I chose to do uh, the the revisit prompt that you've already done. But I mistakenly took that as like a prompt that I literally had already done and expand on that story. And what that prompt was meant to be was was revisit a prompt a previous prompt that you hadn't done. But she didn't explicitly say that. And no, I, I fucked up. And I just rolled with it. So, um, I don't, was this like chapter, chapter two? Two, I think. Yeah, eye contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went and revisited a story that I had started from chapter two called The Manual. So check it out. Um, it's all about eye contact and I created this large alien world that I wanted to try and visit a little bit more of. So I'm going to read that now. This is called The Manual, Volume 2. Or Version 2. It's just V2. The whole thing was over in minutes, but every second seemed to stretch and accelerate in a random rhythm. She felt very observed, as every word in Magna Allium came from her mouth, confident, but with her eyes trained down to a little light. There was no breath pouring over her from above, but every instinct in her body made her feel as though that was happening. 
The captain was negotiating a temporary stay shelter for some human refugees on a terraformed planet that had damaged their suits. The Magna Alium were largely quiet, but agreed to the whole deal, just three words, and then immediately turned and walked out of the diplomacy bay. Neve hadn't anticipated their sudden departure, and she paused the translation into English for the captain. She looked up and watched them depart the room, massive, bulking bodies barely fitting through the door. They were an oily black color, angled in unhuman ways. They looked hard. Translator, the captain said. What did they say? His voice was hard and military. Should he be worried that they left like that? They said, yes, acceptable solution, she said quietly, still watching the doorway they had exited through. Shit, he said, not speaking to her directly anymore. Then why'd they leave like that before we could offer the documents to sign? I swear, if I get another assignment with these fucking spiders, I have done. The legal officer and the team frowned deeply, visible in the panel in his environment suit, and clucked quietly. The sound carried well in the large bay, and the captain turned to look at him, eyes and face hard and ready. Come on, Keith, the captain said. You saw that. They slink in and out of here like they own the place. Keith, the legal officer, looked in the captain's face, a blank expression, almost neutral, on his face. Just a brief reminder, Captain, that using disparaging terms during negotiation rarely helps. That's all. They aren't even here anymore, the captain said, turning his back to the team and starting the walk back to the assigned door. His voice was petulant. Neve made a point of noting that to herself. She also disagreed with his word choices. Slink? Spider? She didn't see the connection to the behemoths that had just moved out of the room, their presence palpable. Then, she wasn't really afraid of a spider's either. The group seemed tense, but reasonable as they disrobed from their atmosphere suits, the captain moving quickly, both from irritation and experience. He left the room first. The security guards were both done soon after, as Neve was still struggling with the heavy latex around her hips. You didn't seem too okay with that, the legal officer said to her, his voice flat but questioning. Neve paused for a second. There wasn't really an example of that happening in the training manuals, so I just want to make sure I did the right thing. She paused again for just a heartbeat and said, and there weren't any references to derogatory terms in training either. That was a first. She waited for the reply of the legal officer, but he only nodded, finished taking off his heavy boots, slipped on his normal shoes, and left the room. She felt like there was a hanging participle in the air, and it annoyed her heavily. Linguists were not required to attend the debriefs unless requested, and she was not requested for this one, so she went back to her room to review the manual and jot down her impressions in her journal. Little details were the first thing lost to memory, she reminded herself. Her roommate was there, radiant, a little drunk, and half in her uniform. First one down! She whooped as Neve entered. The roommate proffered a full glass of sparkling liquor, the bottle already opened. Congratulations! Hello to you too, she said, trying and failing to resist a smile. They had been roommates by assignment for nearly eight months, and she had never been as boisterous or as extroverted as her roommate, but then Neve had also never seen her drunk, and this was a nice gesture. How was it? Tell me everything. I can't wait to retest. God, I can't believe you already got on your first call. Tell me everything. She sat down, hunched forward, her whole body communicating and expressing her earnest desire to hear Neve's experience. Neve sat calmly, took a sip of the sparkling liquor, and started removing her boots. Well, she began a little too slowly for her roommate, who squirmed like a teenager. They were massive. I mean, like, I knew their proportions, but you're right. They are just so much. There's a presence, you know, and their smell... Maybe it was a smell of the atmosphere, but either way, what an associated smell. Her boots tumbled to the ground as she noticed the smell of her own sweat in her socks. She must have been sweating from nervousness. She quickly removed her socks and put them in the laundry bin, hoping not to offend her roommate, who did not appear to notice a thing about her feet. What? They smell? She paused, tilting her head up and looking off to the right, then continuing in a blast of language. Wait, but that's it? No. 
Tell me what happened. Did they accept the shelter negotiation? Did you look at them at all? Did you know all the words and everything? Neve smiled a bit, a few teeth even showing, and then she quickly took another sip of the booze and considered whether it would be a good idea to talk with her roommate about the disconcerting parts of the exchange in her present state. She decided it would be best to give brief answers for now and talk more when there was no alcohol involved. And that's all I wrote. Despite you going against the intention of my prompt, which I don't mind because it still got you writing, <laughs> um, I was really excited that you revisited this one because I think we all really enjoyed the first time you did it. So Still waiting for the book. Yeah, you need to make a whole thing. It comes in cycles. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know how sometimes you'll be writing a story and then it'll, it'll just, you'll have so much inspiration and you know where the story is going and everything. Mm-hmm. And then other times you're like... Why did I make this world? I don't know what's happening yeah. and I can't continue this thread. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. You have a couple stories that I want you to keep writing. But... So do you. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we all do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is definitely one of them. And I love that this is one of the earliest ones, too. This has been with us for so long. It has. Um, and now I just saw A Quiet Place. Ooh. And so now I'm picturing... Originally, I pictured the... I almost want to say Terangreal. <laughs> uh, real time <laughs> reference and not at all applicable to this. Right. Um, but Ag Magna. Uh, what are they? Magna Alien? Magna Alien. Jesus Christ. I don't know what's wrong with me. Either way, I was picturing them originally kind of like a rival. This, just a big hulking shape that was something I couldn't picture. But now having seen Quiet Place, I'm picturing more angled. I'm like picturing, <laughs> because, because you, you have the spider's slur, mm-hmm. um, I'm picturing... Uh, Stranger Things. Ooh. Season two. Yeah. Okay. That is not at all what they look like in my head. I should do better at describing them or maybe leave it vague so that everyone has but a that's different... That's the thing. Is but it... I like that it's not... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, the obviously there's some sort of connection that the, the captain's making to... And multiple people probably have in order to come up with that. Right. But... Neve doesn't see it. She's like, they're, they're not slinking. And it's like, do spiders even slink? I actually had the hardest time writing like this part with the derogatory slur because I couldn't figure out which derogatory slur would actually make the most sense. And I thought a lot about how the etymology of that would happen and like the cultural references. That's awesome. It took me a really long time. For, for such a short edition of this story, it was really difficult on this one. Sometimes you can spend so long on Right? But it also helped me flesh out the world. I know why they're called spiders. I should probably write that down. You should. You, <laughs> should. Should. you don't forget it at the very oh, least. Oh, that's true. That, yeah. um, Little details are the first things lost. But I also like the idea that it's not... Yeah, she reminded herself. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that it's not a cohesive vision of what they are because humans aren't supposed to look at them. Mm-hmm. So there is actually a lack of detail unless you see them from behind. But even then, can they sense that you're looking at them? Like, there's probably this whole... If masks don't stop them from seeing, yeah. from knowing that you're looking at them, why, like, why would their backs being turned make a difference? Mm-hmm. It's like, so yeah, there probably is a true lack of full understanding of what they look like and how they move and, and maybe they can watch the recordings and stuff. But even so, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me read it. Yeah. And, uh, your turn. Ha <laughs> 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 Hot potato. Hot, 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 hot. Uh, Okay. Well, I also did revisit an old prompt. But she did it correctly. (laughs) I did it the way that it was intended. Uh, And I looked at all of the old prompts that we had given and I had not uh, touched. And I don't even remember what cycle it originally was. But I ended up... One of the earlier ones. It was one of... 
It was one of the earlier ones. Um, chapter three. Based off a dream mm-hmm. is what I ended up going with. Um, it maybe wasn't my dream. What? Was it two? Was, was it, it also two? Was it manual? Oh, no, that was eye contact. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Never mind. I actually think it was like eight. But oh, okay. Oh, maybe. Time is hard. Yeah, time, time is, is hard. hard. Yeah. Time is real hard. Um, anyway, so this is... Ties into something later. Anyway. <laughs> time ties into... Not that, but... Time ties into everything, I guess. It's fair. You'll know when you read. <laughs> and of course, this has no title, because I don't do that. You never do. Uh, you were saying, though, it's based off a dream, but what? Oh. It's not your dream. It's not my dream. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Elizabeth wakes with the taste of ash on her tongue. Shit, she swears. Well, coughs, really, as the sensation chokes her throat and her lungs. She breathes in, only to find herself doubling over as she coughs some more. When she can, she reaches over to her nightstand for the glass of water she keeps there. Her hand knocks into it as she coughs again, and more than half of it spills all over before she can write it. Motherfucker, she says, still choking, and swallows down the remains. It tastes foul the water mixing with the soot in her mouth to create what she can only imagine is a gray substance she forces herself to swallow. Still, it clears out her throat, and the coughing becomes a bit more manageable. She swings out of bed, putting on her slippers as she does so. Her robe is draped over the back of the boudoir chair, and she grabs it as she moves to the door. Elizabeth only has it partially on when she enters the hallway, stopping in her tracks to stare. Black smoke hovers near the ceiling billowing into the various crevices. She can see it being sucked into air vents, spreading it further throughout the manor. The edges of the wallpaper are curling away from the wall, although she doesn't feel any heat. The flowers the servants replace weekly are wilting days too early, and the portraits hung on the wall are covered in a gray film. With a sigh, she moves down the hallway to the stairs. The smoke is billowing up them, thick and almost greasy as it moves past her. She fishes a handkerchief out of her robe pocket, holding it to her face as she calmly takes the steps, one at a time. There's a servant girl at the bottom of the stairs. She's new to the household, just a few months now, and she seems to be frozen in place as she coughs harshly into her hands. Elizabeth taps the girl on the shoulder, startling her. The poor girl is red as a beet from her coughing, and her eyes are limpid and large with tears. It seems she has not been informed. Go back to her quarters, Elizabeth says muffled through the cloth covering her face. I'll take care of this. You'll have a busy day tomorrow cleaning up, and we'll have to wake early, so get as much rest as you can. But but the fire, the girl replies before coughing again into her hands. Elizabeth grimaces and makes a mental note to talk to the housekeeper about proper manners. I will take care of it, Elizabeth reiterates firmly, her eyes fixed on the girl's. It only takes a moment of eye contact for the girl to curtsy and turn towards the servants' quarters. Elizabeth watches her go before turning to move towards the entryway of the home. She checks for other bodies on the first floor, but no one else seems to be up and about. Once she is certain the coast is clear, she enters the foyer. She takes a long look before shaking her head. They used to last so much longer, she bemoans quietly to herself. The quality just seems to be going downhill these days. Two angels are pinned to the walls. 
Their wings are spread wide, pinioned just under their radials and terminal phalanxes. Feathers that were once vibrant shades, browns and blues and greens, are now black and charred. Their skin bubbles, the fat cells underneath crackling as sores open. Their faces, or what remain, feature cavernous holes where eyes had once been, with teeth bared by missing lips. There is no flame, but they burn still. They are, without a doubt, dead. Elizabeth sighs and uses one hand to trace an intricate sign in the air. Immediately, the smoke starts to clear. After a moment, she removes the kerchief from her face. She shoves it in her pocket, leaving one end out so she can easily grab it again without soiling her robe. Pushing her sleeves up, she ties them with the ribbons that fell from the shoulders. Fashionable, yet functional. She reaches with one hand to touch a feather. It disintegrates, leaving an oily, ashy residue on her fingers. Such a shame, she murmurs. I thought you were rather handsome. Proceeding to coat all of her fingers with the substance, she starts tracing symbols on her bared skin. Whirls and points form under practice strokes, and she murmurs syllables that few would understand. Slowly, the designs begin to glow. As they did, the angels start to glow as well. Or perhaps they burn again, as it wasn't a bright light they emitted. They radiate darkness, a swallowing of their bodies, until nothing could be seen except for two negative spaces where once they had been pinned. Elizabeth raises her hands, attempting to bring them together. Sweat beads on her forehead as she strains, the lines flaring as her palms inch closer and closer. With a last grunt, they connect, and a silent explosion escapes. The glowing darkness is blown away, revealing walls empty of everything except soot stains. Satisfied, Elizabeth wipes her hands together, shaking off the tingling remnants of magic. She pulls the kerchief free of her pocket, wiping the residue off of her arms as best she can. Looking at the damage done to the manor, she shakes her head before making her way out of the room. The housekeeper is already awake and dressed when Elizabeth knocks on her door. It's still a bit early, she says. I will wake the others in an hour to start their day. Very good, Elizabeth replies with a nod. I'll discuss with Mr. Roquefort about replacements. We should be without a barrier for only a day or so. And the household is safe? Elizabeth sighs. We should be. Tensions are low at the moment, so I'm not terribly concerned about an attack. Make sure everyone knows not to speak of this outside the house. Especially the new girl. She thought there was a fire. The housekeeper nods gravely. I'll restrict her to the grounds this time. A pause. These went much faster than the last. Seems to be a trend across all the families, Elizabeth says. This isn't the first I've heard of them burning out too quickly, and that troubles me. With a wave, Elizabeth turns and heads back towards her rooms. A quick wiggle of her fingers, and all traces of smoke disappear from the air. A faint smell of lilacs fills the room instead, and she gives a satisfied sigh. She wishes she could take a bath, but decides not to bother the servants with heating up water at this time of night. Instead, she settles for splashing some water on her arms, wiping away the dirt with the already soiled kerchief. When she is satisfied with her level of cleanliness, Elizabeth crawls back into bed, pulling the covers up to her chin. Sleep came to her easily. There was no need to worry about tomorrow's tasks for now. Ah, I love that story. I also like that story. <laughs> and it sounds oddly familiar. I wonder why. <laughs> Mayhaps because it was somewhat loosely based on a dream that you had. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think it was funny that I... 
I dream a lot. I dream vividly. I didn't end up doing them based on a dream prompt for myself, even though I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And instead, you did a dream from my dream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember fun. asking you, it was like, can, can I? <laughs> you were telling me about your dream, and I was like, can I write a story on that? <laughs> can, can I write a story on that? And you, yeah. And you were like, sure. <laughs> I do really, oh. No, I was just going to say it. that's that is the thing. You write from, like, all the things that make your brain spark. Yeah. And I like that we share our dreams with each other. You, you do. You do you seriously have really cinematic dreams, though. Yeah. Oh, okay, man. If we need to get on that brain technology so I can, you know. Record. Yeah, and just produce. Just sell, sell my dreams. That sounds like you would get rich quick. And also, like, I would never want that for my head. Like, I would not want people to record my dreams. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want other people to be able to act, you know, like, unless, you know, you I, could I sell would your dreams. Controls, yeah. But you pick which dreams you sell. Exactly. But you know, with that kind of technology. Yeah. People will be peeping. People be peeping. <laughs> Peeps be peeping. <laughs> chirp, chirp. Oh, yeah. That's uh, definitely going to the bloopers. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be at the bloopers. It can stay in the main one. Okay, all right. Well, that's the thing I did. Yeah. But I do really like the story. I like where it came from. Mm-hmm. But I like the world you've placed it in, too. I think the aspects that I dreamed of were kind of modern. And placing it in this kind of ambiguous... Victorian, I would say industrial. Yeah, like they're still heating up water for baths, yeah. but like they're they've got these magical wards. Yeah. Like it's what time frame is this? I love it. It feels rich and expensive and mysterious, and uh-huh. I want to know a what they're expecting might attack them. Is it other humans? Is it something else? What dimension mm-hmm. is she pulling these angel things from? Where does she mm-hmm. send them? Where and are the families? Like, I'm very intrigued. I yeah, I would. Oh, actually, that's something I hadn't thought of until this time of the reading. Why on that wall? Is uh-huh. it across from the front door? Is it the heart of the house? That's like, what I was wondering, too. Is it too. airflow? Is it feng shui? I don't know. And there's I'm no fascinated. other paintings, but then, like, if you had... Okay, they were alive. They had fat bubbles. They had, like, they were well, beautiful. The feathers... Test. I know, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, burning without burning. But then, like, she's got them on a wall. If they were alive and they were, like, could they talk to her? Do they, like, hang them... Would they... Hang, why would they go there to be? Why yeah, would they... I imagine they're captured... And they imagine she cuts their tongues out. Oh. <laughs> I just don't imagine her allowing them to speak in her entryway. I mean... I don't... Also... Was it her entryway, though? I think it's funny that it's a foyer, but then I always hear that as, like, someone saying fire with an accent, so there was a uh, foyer in the foyer room. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I want more of this story. I also want more of this yeah. world. I want to know about the other families. Mm-hmm. How... Are they all matriarchal? Is she the head of her household? Like... Are they all different? I really am fascinated with this world. Yeah. And she can do magic, but she is still required to do, obviously, some ritualistic, mm-hmm. like, symbols and things like that. But she, I want to know more, so much more, yeah. about this world of magic and the other families and the threat. And you've set it up beautifully. It was really fun. So now you just have to write a whole little book of snippets of that world because we demand it. Yes. And so it shall be. <laughs> but right. you, you be the pick of when. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, because I was going to say, if you wanted at any time in the near future, I'm going to need uh, $25 an hour. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And health benefits. <laughs> the funny thing is, I can't pay you. <laughs> Here's the deal. Do your art for free. Ugh. That doesn't pay rent. <laughs> hey, I've got this thing. You can shoot it for your portfolio. Mm. Thanks. It's the exposure. Yeah. I'll let you do a thing for me. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have opinions on not that bitter. or nothing. Not bitter at all. Uh-uh. Um, anyway, I'm glad you guys liked it. And yes. 
the I think the best part is when I write stuff like this is I see the moment and I don't necessarily see the world around it. Yeah. Mm. And I, it's part of how I write is I like leaving things ambiguous. But at the same time is I like that I very obviously did have ideas. And if I go looking for them, it's like I'll very easily be able to say, oh, because you're asking all these questions. And I'm like, I didn't think of that. This is the answer. I didn't think of that. Yeah, so you're more comfortable with the world than you realize. Yeah. Yeah. So, I always so, write from moments of inspiration. I don't always know the rest of the world. I usually have to build the world first. Hmm. Yeah, I usually have to spend a lot of time thinking about the world and then the family lines and how they're all related and shit I like that. Build the world first. I'm never writing the story. That's the problem I'm running into with oh. my long story. I've built so much into the world. I've built the language and I have only a couple chapters of the This is probably story. why I like writing so much of like the revision of fairy and folk tales because mm-hmm. those worlds are already built and I know the rules. We on already the know the rules. Yeah, we yeah. know the characters. We mm-hmm. know where to put ourselves. Yeah, I enjoy and you can too. play with it a little bit, but yeah. I have to build the world first. This is this is a fun revelation about our different fun. writing yeah. styles. I love that that's one of the things that this club has done, is it's helped me to see what kind of writer I actually am. Yeah, you've learned a lot about your... you. We've learned a lot about our own <laughs> process, yeah. which is really exciting, because then it helps you know how to approach your own writing when you're, when you're stuck. Be like, well, this is what I always do, why don't I try it this way instead, right. or... But I'm like, just focus on this part since I know that's how I work easiest. Like, yeah. Or like, I'll try and write prompts that like challenge things I have difficulty doing in writing. <laughs> and they're always the worst. So sorry. <laughs> I think they're challenging. I think the fact that it is challenging is fun because then yeah. I'm like, this doesn't come easy. That shouldn't be a bad thing. Just work with it. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like they always, I, I, I'm dogging my own prompts right now. I don't like my prompts. Um, but you two give me really interesting and challenging prompts. It's like, much easier. So. Gotta make them harder then. Noted. Make them less likable. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't no. do that. <laughs> I love the story as I do when you do the prompts. <laughs> All right, Reagan. Yeah. Oh, I'm not ready. Take her home. Uh, Finish her off. Kill him. I'm about to. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> to be fair, I always played Sindel. So, hair whip. <laughs> um, to those of you who aren't old enough, that's Mortal Kombat references. Well, that's such a weird thing that that would ever go out of style. Or for those of you who are too old and are listening oh. and never actually touched the video game genre, that's Mortal a Mortal Kombat, Kombat reference. <laughs> And for those of you who are just right, <laughs> enjoy the Mortal Kombat reference. <laughs> All right. I did, because I wanted a challenge, 500 or more words of poetry. So I am now about to read you, dear listener, five pages of poetry. The woods were dark and they were vast, with boughs and limbs all tangled tight. She feared the shadows, she feared the quiet, but still she pressed on through the night. Trees grew sparse and far apart, solitary, single, alone, until moonlit meadows stretched between, and still that silence, no whispers, no moans. Certainly fear was clinging to her, tripping up her feet, but onward must she go, they told her, onward, till her answers meet. Go into the woods under hanging moon, go into the woods, little fool, past tree and trunk and darkest shade, past fear and knowledge on the way, past well beyond the grasp of day, and you shall find your truth. She picked her way around the roots of those ancient, towering trees. She felt their eyes upon her head, watching, watching, watching through their leaves. Suddenly, stark and shrill and loud, a sound, a note, a call. 
A distant creature loosed a howl that stopped her pace dead in its crawl. She shut her eyes and held them there, tightly sealed from any threat, and backed her way into the roots which arched and curved around her head. And there she sat, and there she waited, still wishing that she had fled. But she remembered what they had said. Go into the woods under hanging moon. Go into the woods, little fool. Past tree and trunk and darkest shade, past fear and knowledge on the way, past well beyond the grasp of day, and you shall find your truth. Once silence draped about her ears, velvety, weightless, and cool, she allowed it to stretch on further still, until she was certain of no howl, no snarl, no mule. She lifted her head and crept out and around, venturing into the moonlight. The way was clear, the trunks were bare, not a peep of doom or dread or fright. And so she continued, but quicker this time. She wanted to be through the trees. She wanted to find what the elders had mentioned. She hoped the woods would heed her pleas. She hoped the spirit would grant her the key. She hoped. She hoped she'd see. Go into the woods under hanging moon. Go into the woods, little fool. Past tree and trunk and darkest shade. Past fear and knowledge on the way. Pass well beyond the grasp of day, and you shall find your truth. Quicker now, she ducked and swerved. She bounced from tree to tree, racing through the moonlit pools and spaces in between. And then, just there, a flash of light, two starlit eyes, two little pins, which shone so bright, so sharp, so cruel, cut to her core, past bone, past skin. She felt her hair upon her neck, felt blood course hot and fast. The beast had disappeared so quick, but this she swore would not, could not, be her last. This simply couldn't be. Go into the woods under hanging moon. Go into the woods, little fool. Past tree and trunk and darkest shade. Past fear and knowledge on the way. Pass well beyond the grasp of day, and you shall find your truth. But there it stood, looming over her, like a thing from some dark dream. Only, no, not dreams. Not sugar and spice and pleasure-filled things. It was darkness and danger and threat pouring out, with eyes that pierced straight to the center of her heart. And she knew she should fear. She knew she should scream. She should run. She should fight. She should do some damn thing. But instead, she held still, and the shadow did too. So they waited and watched what the other might do. As time passed in the gloom of the tall looming trees, they sat and they breathed until both were at ease. And after long hours of sitting and watching it stare, she nodded her head and said she wouldn't scare, that she was not unaware, that this creature was fair and so a name, her name she would share. And the beast did not blink and the beast did not stir, but emitted a grumble, a growl, no a purr, and she knew that its name was her name as well, because those things we fear are inside us, they dwell, and we share the same face, and we share the same rage, and our fear takes us suddenly, despite knowledge, despite age. But the shadow shows truer than most in the light, what we each are afraid of, those things which reside, in each of us, dark and ugly and real, and she couldn't help but feel that, now she knew the name and the face, she could bring light into that dead place. She could learn to forgive, to grow, to embrace, every bit of herself, with humility, and grace. Go into the woods under hanging moon. Go into the woods, little fool. Past tree and trunk and darkest shade. Past fear and knowledge on the way. Pass well beyond the grasp of day, and you shall find your truth. Whoa! What? Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna do that again. You mean 500 words of poetry? Didn't... 500 plus. So it was. But yeah. I liked it. I, I think uh, it was a I thought it was a little Red Riding Hood variation at first mm. when you started, because, like, the whole girl in the woods, That's wolf fair. kind of a thing. Beast, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like this one, and I think 
like it's repetitive with that stanza about going to the woods what a fool um i could say that's like a children's book honestly yeah or like a really hip zine <laughs> oh god a children's book for adults yeah like edward gore like, style yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. It's a little macabre, yeah. It's a little bit threatening, yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you read it to yeah. if you if you read it to an actual child, you maybe would have to come comfort them in an hour after they wake up with a nightmare, or explain <laughs> that every human you ever meet has a dark side, and you probably can't trust them, and they're going to have to grapple with their own demons someday. Yeah, because yeah. it's deep down there. It's in you, little kid. <laughs> Just waiting for you to close your eyes. Also, if you don't embrace it, you'll never fully love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Raising a generation of sociopaths. That's what I'm Yep. Nah, you know I won't have kids. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. If uh, you do want to abandon a baby on my doorstep, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, fairy tales. Yeah. <laughs> you're more likely than, than either of us. No, the possibility of it happening is more likely but you actually want would want kids. a child more than either of us do. I let, yeah, I would love to be a mother, but then the idea of like no. having one in my body no. and then getting out of my body—why are we talking about this? Terrifies me. Um, we just saw the Quiet Place. It's a little oh, it's nice. fresh in your bellies. <laughs> pregnant bellies. I think it's super cool when that happens, but I'm comfortable around pregnant ladies because like I get into doula stuff. You're you're like squirming right now. You are genuinely I genuinely don't like pregnancy. That's a thing. Yeah. Pregnant bellies. Freak me out. Yeah. We've had this discussion. We know this. I know. I know. Actually, I remember when we first moved in together and mm-hmm. we were roommates. This was ages ago, listeners. Uh, but turns out, once upon a time, Reagan and I were roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, you literally told me that if if I ever got pregnant or if I ever tried to bring children into the apartment, yes. you were moving out. Yep. And I was like, don't. That is a very specific new roommate request. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Any rules about bringing people over? Yeah, no kids. <laughs> Literally no children ever in my house. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. They just, they're so unpredictable. But anyway, <laughs> there aren't any kids in my poem, so, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I liked it. I, I think you did a great job meeting yeah. that prompt. Thank you. Yeah. I, I wrote it very much in the middle of thesis, mm-hmm. by the way, listeners. Not, not, I didn't write it last night, you know. It was written a bit ago, and it very much was part of what I was thinking through with thesis about... Mm-hmm. Finding the self and being in the forest and dark things and light things and creatures you meet to help you find yourself along the way. and So, yeah, there you go. It's a bit of my thesis project right there, yeah. Brea, in poetry form. I'm into it. And I'm, again, I'm so impressed that you did that prompt because when I saw that prompt, I was <laughs> Everyone like, was like nope. there's no fucking way. I, I tried. And actually, funny story, while I was looking for copies of other things to upload to the drive, mm-hmm. I found a prose version oh. of my story. Ooh. Interesting. Which, if you want to, if you want to look at it, yeah. I'll share it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. put it on the drive, man. Yeah, but yeah. listeners, you don't get to know. <laughs> you you get the non-prose normal story format version because I, right. I couldn't make it work the way I wanted it to work. And honestly, that one I I didn't know if I, if I would do the prose one. I wanted to because it was such a challenge, but. I, this is what usually happens to me when I'm thinking of writing things is I'm like, well, how would I say it? And I just start playing with words in my head. Mm. And then I come up with a couple sentences that are really good. And I'm like, crap, how am I going to remember that? That was like five lines long. And I have to scramble for a computer or <laughs> pen and paper or something. And and then I ended up writing a whole poem. So I was like, okay, I guess I did the prompt. <laughs> guess it worked. <laughs> so it worked out. Yay. Yeah. What a good chapter. Yeah. Great. Ooh, so, take your, your prompts? No. Oh, it's my No, prompts. my dear. Oh, fuck. It is. <laughs> In fact. Guys, I'm so sorry. Your prompts. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> these are the prompts. 
for 12? Yes. Yeah. These are chapter 12 prompts, so you've got two weeks to write along with us, or just wait to listen to our stories. <laughs> um, so, you can write a story about a physical metamorphosis. You can write a story using only third-person perspective. Uh, or you can write a story about a modern-day problem using a metaphor. Guess who has a hard time writing the third-person perspective? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Challenge set. <laughs> I also gave myself two outs. <laughs> I like it. Um, thank you for listening. Please uh, like, subscribe, subscribe, rate us, share with your friends. Continentalwritingclub.com is where you can find all the things. Yeah. yeah. Create. Haha, <laughs> right on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> see you next time. Well, we won't see them. I will. <laughs> Hello! Oh, do we need silence? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't did we do this last time since it was yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, my bad. Blooper. Shiv, 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 shiv. Look, talking is hard. Ayo! Remover. Remover from your Instagram feed. Just there. <laughs> a mule? A howl? A siren? A motherfucking ambulance? <laughs> Finish up, old man. <laughs> and became a vegetable.